Zanino. Middle, middle. That a boy. He, 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 he got it. He, he, he got it. it. We're going he got home. it. Mike Zanino has <laughs> just walked off Minnesota. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Speed out there, pitch. Deep drive, left center field. Give me a baby! Go! A home run for Mitch Hanniger! Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Soto Mojo Podcast. This is your site co-expert Colby Patnode coming at you as always with site co-expert Ty Gonzalez. Ty, how are you doing today? Doing pretty well. Uh, excited to get this podcast going. Yeah, so uh, on today's show guys, we're going to talk a little bit about something that uh, we missed on the last podcast. Just a few hours before we went to record, uh, Bob Nightingale of the USA Today tweeted that the Arizona Diamondbacks are expected to um, move major pieces off of their uh, off their 25-man roster. They would love to move Zach Greinke and would strongly consider moving Paul Goldschmidt. So uh, if the Diamondbacks are in rebuild, we're going to talk about what, if anything, the Mariners could possibly pull away from them. And then after that, we're going to have a uh, nice discussion on the Mariners' payroll, where it's at. Um, they may not have as much money as... Uh, some people think they don't have as much as I initially thought they would, and uh, we'll fill you guys in on all that. So, uh, yeah, a, uh, a brief podcast today, maybe. We'll see how long we ramble on for. But uh, anyways, we'll start with the uh, potential rebuild of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Um, the team is going to lose uh, Patrick Corbin and A.J. Pollock in free agency. Um, you know, so... It, Paul Goldschmidt's a year away from free agency. It kind of makes sense for them to uh, push the reset button now. So, uh, Ty, I mean, what are your first impressions when you look at the Diamondbacks? Do you see some uh, potential matches? Um, not a whole lot. Uh, like that's that is currently under contract for their team. I more see like their free agents. Uh, as Fitz, um, Daniel Descalso, Pollock, Corbin. Um, I don't know, looking at their roster, um, maybe David Peralta is the one that kind of jumps out for the Mariners, especially if they're going to be looking to um, cover a uh, corner outfield spot this year. Um, another one um, – is uh, Alex Avila to uh, perhaps supplement the backup catcher role. However, um, I believe Avila uh, is uh, making a pretty decent chunk of change. Um, but, yeah, uh, more so, yeah, like I said, their their free agents make a little more sense than um, the actual players they have on their team. Uh, the Mariners uh, don't have... Um, the capital to acquire someone like Paul, uh, Paul Goldschmidt. And 
Um, Zach Greinke's contract is just too high of a hit for the Mariners to take on. Um, so I don't think either one of those would even be, uh, you know, a possibility. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, say, uh, I, you know, I thought you, uh, brought up, um, Zach Godley in, uh, your, uh, article the other day. That could be a fit. Um, Robbie Ray, maybe, um, that would be really fun. I like Robbie Ray a lot. Um, yeah, uh, you know, maybe one of their bullpen guys. I don't know how much they're, they're actually going to want to part ways with them. Maybe Boxberger, maybe, uh, Archie Bradley. Uh, that can be really, uh, uh, really good way to, um, fill out the bullpen. But yeah, just looking at it, I feel that it's more, uh, Corbin, um, Pollock and Descalso, who I, uh, think would fit the, uh, Mariners the most in free agency. Sure. Um, I think that's all fair. Uh, you know, you mentioned Alex Avila. The guy's going to make $4 million this year. Um, he had a 66 WRC plus last year. Um, for you guys that don't, that don't know, uh, league average is 100. So he was 34% below league average with his bat last year. Um, but you know, the metrics show he's a pretty good defender. Um, he walks still a fair amount. His strikeout numbers are ridiculous. Um, but yeah, he actually walks incredibly high uh, percentage of time. And you yeah. know, he's, just, he's just a year removed from hitting 264, 387, 447. Uh, you know, it's the left-handed bat off the bench um, that, you know, managers love to have. Uh, he's a good defender. You don't have to run Zanino out there every single day. Um I, I think Avila makes some sense. Um, again, money-wise, we'll see. You probably have to pay that down a little bit. But uh, there are actually a few guys that I wanted to touch on for the Diamondbacks. Um, so I guess we'll just get the big name out of the way right now. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt. He's a year away from free agency. Yes, he's a great player. And I think, I actually do think the Mariners could in theory, put together a competitive offer based solely on the fact that Goldschmidt is a year away from free agency. But I also think that a competitive offer for the Mariners is giving up major pieces off your 25-man roster. Yeah. And at that point, is it are you really getting better by adding Paul Goldschmidt? You know, like are you, are you going to be willing to give up Kyle Lewis, Ryan Healy, Marco Gonzalez, and like Julio Rodriguez, does that really make you better? Uh, I'd give up Lewis and Healy, but yeah. Yeah, in a heartbeat. Not, not, heart not Marco and Julio, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Julio is a three-win pitcher, so give or take. You mean um, Marco. Yeah, Mar <laughs> sorry, Marco. Julio is probably the highest upside guy you have in your system. I, Kyle Lewis is still your number one prospect and a decent one at that. And, you know, Ryan Healy's a uh, – well, okay, Ryan Healy might have been a bad example, but – you get the idea, like, yeah, and that that's probably just to get into the conversation. Um, I just, I don't see really a fit there. Uh, oh, I see a fit. I mean, it's obvious what the fit is, but I just don't see, I, I don't know if the Mariners actually get better by giving up the package it would require to get Paul Goldschmidt, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It'd be fun, but also, you oh, know, yeah. another thing to consider is, 
you, you're going to have to give them another contract soon. It's going to be a pretty hefty one, you know, and that's what's kind of killing you right now is big contracts, especially the guys in, you know, in their thirties, you know, Goldschmidt's going to be, uh, but 32 when he uh, gets his next contract and yep. um, he's going to want a pretty big one. Uh, and that's right. You know, and so. you, yeah. And you've, and you've done that with Cano and, you know, obviously that's not Jerry DePoto's regime that did that, but you did that, you know, the Mariners organization as a whole did that with Cano and, and Felix and um, you know, look where they are now. They don't, you know, they're restricted in a lot of ways because of uh, those high numbers. Yep. Um, I would agree. So Paul Goldschmidt, it would be a lot of fun, and I would be very excited. Um, yeah. But it, at the back of my head, I would be thinking this probably isn't going to work out. Um, I actually, I actually came up with a term for this, and it happened a while back, and I call it the uh, the Josh Hamilton effect. When Josh Hamilton hit the free agent market, there was like an inkling that the Mariners might have interest there, and actually, I believe it came out that they made him a pretty sizable offer to come to Seattle. And at the time I remember I was like, wow, that is going to be a disaster. There's no way it's going to work. But there was also a huge part of me that was like, hell yes. Are you kidding? <laughs> Josh. Uh, Josh. So yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a name. It's a name that I've come up with for a player that, uh, you know, is a really exciting name and would be really fun to see play every day, but also probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense for you in the long term and I've I've attributed that to Prince Fielder, Josh Hamilton. Um, you know, but I even, you know, I've missed on a few. I thought uh, I thought Nelson Cruz was going to be a prime example of the uh, the Josh Hamilton effect. And boy was I wrong about that. So, but I, I feel pretty comfortable that Goldschmidt falls into that category. Uh, more exciting than uh, I don't know if smart's the right word, but you get what I mean. Uh, well, also, you know, when you look at Cruz, Cruz wasn't some, you know, 10-year, $200 million contract, right, right. you know. Was, um, yeah, you just, you can't get locked up in those contracts, and that's why Jack Sorensic doesn't have a job. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's I just, my problem really, um, I don't know if you remember that uh, that one argument that you had about Jerry DePoto on Twitter. Uh, a few days ago. Which one? There's but, usually a lot of them. Well, the one that said that you were defending Jerry constantly. Okay. I, mean, uh, it, I don't it, really see how, but okay. Yeah, I remember <laughs> the one you're talking about. Yeah. So the problem with that, is, and the reason why I, I cut DePoto a lot of slack, DePoto inherited such a bad situation. Yeah. Like, there's no way that you can trade Cano. There's no way that you can trade Felix. And, um, you know, the farm system was just trash. And he did a pretty good job of selling off the few pieces that he had to, to acquire pretty good talent. I mean, Taiwan Walker, Cattell Marte became Gene Segura and Mitch Hanager. Yep. And, yeah, he traded away Chris Taylor, but, I mean, yeah. you know. Okay. So that, that was a big miss, but that's the one that always bugs me. And I believe this guy brought that up. And it's just nobody in their right mind thought that Chris Taylor was anything more than a 4A utility guy. Yeah. Nobody. You can't find anybody anywhere that said Chris Taylor is going to be a star. Because if they somebody tells you they thought that, they're lying to you. Nobody thought that. Except for maybe Chris Taylor and his family. I mean... <laughs> 
Nobody seriously thought that. So that, that's the one that bugs me. Is they they handpicked the failures, and there have been a couple. But, I mean, remember what the huge failing deal was last year? Oh, my, they traded Luis Gohara for so and Yeah, how's Luis Gohara looking nowadays? Like, yeah. really, that's not something that you can replace? I just... Tyler and the smiley, and the smiley thing is like out of their control. And yeah, if you look at Tyler O'Neill, like Tyler O'Neill was decent for the Cardinals this year, but God, didn't he strike out a like a forty percent clip? And and when you look at Marco Gonzalez, who was one of the better pitchers in in all of uh, in the American League for most of the year, uh, yeah, I think it's August. yeah, I think it's safe to say that. You Jerry Depoto did fine in that deal, so I'm not I'm not trying to be a Jerry Depoto apologist, but but I, I I just don't think that he's been as bad as people say. I think um, I think people don't recognize that you know he's not the one that gave Cano this contract. He's not the one that gave Felix this contract. He's not the one that gave Kyle Seager this contract. Yeah, you know I mean, those three guys right there, by the way, are accounting for seventy million dollars on the Mariners yeah. payroll this year. Yeah. <laughs> and all, mean, and honestly, only one of them is really producing at the, the number <laughs> like that yeah. they deserve, and you know, or that maybe, they're earning. Yeah. Cano might be producing it. I think over the course of 160, Cano gets you about three wins, four wins. So he's right at about that number yeah. um, for how much longer. We don't know, but I would actually say the Cano deal hasn't been turned into a disaster yet. And I know a lot of people would, uh, would say no to that, but I don't know. To to me, I'm right there. I just I don't get. What do you want Jerry Depoto to do? He's clearly not going to rebuild. He might not even be able to, even if he wanted to. He got saddled with seventy million dollars of contracts that all turned bad. Uh, you know, he didn't have a farm system to work with, and now you look at the team. The team's better today than the day Jerry Depoto was hired. It's really not even up for debate. So I don't know. Yeah. I don't get the whole Jerry's terrible BS. Like, yeah. I'm not saying he's great, but he's definitely not terrible. And so I would honestly like to see him work without any constraints from ownership. It's like, hey, if you want to rebuild, rebuild. If you need $30 million, here's $30 million. You know what I mean? Yeah. But. So I think that that uh, properly kind of leads us into what does Jerry do this offseason with a very uh, tight payroll, uh, at least expected payroll, as Skype is going off for some reason. Um, but yeah, like, you know, it's it's hard to really see how DePoto can uh, back up his word on, on creating a contending ball club, one that competes with the Astros and the Red Sox and the Indians this year. Um, you know, as both he and Scott Service claim they wanted to build uh, for this season in their uh, season-ending uh, press conference. It's uh, it's just it's really hard to see them making a lot of uh, a lot of moves that put them in that in that same realm as those teams. Yeah, um, especially like you said, we were just talking about the payroll, um, so it's a nice lead-in. Uh, Basically, Spot Track you said has them at 132 million dollars entering the year. Yeah. Right. Well, and so you would think 
and we here we at the website, and I think most people around baseball have been working under the assumption that the Mariners will be at or in the neighborhood of their payroll that they ended 2018 with, right? I mean, which is mm-hmm. about 165, 170 million, give or take. Yep. Uh, so that's kind of been our working assumption. Um, so originally the idea is, oh wow, they have 40 million dollars to play with. However, when you count in the arbitration estimate estimates, and again these are estimates, but they're pretty darn close to what they'll end up being. Um, the Mariners actually have about 30 million dollars in raises that they need to hand out this offseason, which puts their actual payroll, assuming they extend offers to everybody who's an ARB eligible guy, their actual payroll entering this year is going to be already at 160 million, give or take. Um, so the Mariners probably don't have much room, if any, to add significant pieces, right? Mm. I mean, so it seems like if the Mariners are going to want to add significant pieces, and I think they do, they're going to have to get crazy creative and find a way to get more money. Um, and if ownership's not going to give it to them, they're going to have to find a way to open up some more uh, some more space for them to make some moves. So I decided it might be a good idea to talk about a few of the moves that they could make to clear up uh, some serious cash that could help them land a couple good players. So, uh, Ty, off the top of your head, do you see anything, uh, any moves the Mariners can make to save some money? Um, yeah, so the biggest one would be D. Gordon. Um, that's $13 million for a player that could potentially end up being your utility guy this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe the Mariners also see him as their starting center fielder, which for $13 million, Getting a starting center fielder, uh, yeah, that's, I don't know. It's it's D Gordon wasn't good this year. I think a lot of that had to do with his injury because he was pretty good to start the season, um, and also the the move to second base and everything kind of kind of messed with his uh, groove offensively. I don't know, but he wasn't. Bottom line is he wasn't good this year. Um, he didn't. Uh, he stole only 30 bases this year, which was a blow for him, uh, tied for a career low. And that career low came in a season where he only played half a season. Um, yeah, so I, you know, so I don't fully buy into his speed making that much of a difference. Um, I just don't think that he warrants $13 million. And I think that he would have some sort of market out there. I don't think he would get anything that you, uh, gave the Marlins. Uh, but, um, you know, that's probably not what that's about. You know, that's just about getting the numbers off of the books. And sometimes you have to make those moves. Um, you know, Jerry DePoto had to do that with Mark Trumbo and, and, uh, Seth Smith, you know, and he probably has to do that again here because, um, yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a tough pill to swallow, um, for a player that just isn't, playing that well um and maybe he goes to another you know uh team and you know starts getting on base at a 330 clip again and you know who knows but it's just it's probably in the mariner's best interest to move on from him um yeah yeah i d gordon's interesting i just i don't know how much of a market there's going to be uh like you said 
and I just, I don't know. It's, it's a bummer. Um, maybe D Gordon needs to go back to the national league. Um, but it's just like you mentioned the toe injury that, that may have contributed a little bit, but at the same time, the guy walked 1.5% of his at-bats. Yeah. Yeah. That's really bad. Yeah. That's one of the worst of all time. And yeah, if the guy's not getting on base and he only got on base at a 288 clip this year, yep. he's not getting on base. He's worthless. He really is because he doesn't have any power, right? His defense in center field is average at best. I mean, yeah. if you want to be kind, he's a pretty good defender at second. He's got good range, but he's not an elite defensive second baseman. Yeah. I mean, he's just solid there. And like you said, there's no power. I, he's not going to hit a double. He's not going to hit home runs. He just He's not going to get on base. He's worthless. He's worse than Ryan Healy because at least Ryan Healy will hit a home run every now and then. Yeah. And so it, it would be great if the Mariners could move him. Um, you know, you wonder if maybe instead of the traditional, you move him for, you know, a C-level prospect just to get the money off the books. Maybe there's a... D Gordon like player on another team that you just swap contracts with, uh, you know, uh, nothing like jumps out to me, but if there's a pitch starting pitcher, maybe out there who's struggling a little bit, has a few years left on his deal, blotty, blotty, blotty. I mean, maybe there's a swap there, but I just, I don't see D Gordon as really being valuable. And I don't know how much of that money you're going to have to eat to get something even remotely interesting. But I, I think there probably would be a market, like you said, just because I think some team would see it as an opportunity to buy low. And, they would and it's name value. And it's a clubhouse guy who, you know, is well-liked around baseball, and they'll see value in that. He's also club-controlled for three more years. Sure. Plays second base, shortstop. He, now he has experience yeah. in the outfield. I mean, I, I think some team may bite on him. I think the Mariners would have to eat a pretty good chunk of the salary, but that might be worth it. I mean, if for, if anybody wants to take him off your books completely, I think you'd do it because with $13 million, I mean, you may be able to afford, you know, like Charlie Morton now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that might yeah. be the difference. And so if they do something like that, you have to look at the trade as, oh, we traded D Gordon for this. But with the money, we also acquired this guy. And so, yeah. Another I, thing to consider is um, mm-hmm. that um, they can backload some contracts yep. um, to take a little bit of the uh, the initial pain off. Right. Uh, you know, you especially because yeah, yeah, Felix is coming off of the yep. books next year. Uh, if you're going to get into a, like a six year deal with like a Patrick Corbin. Um, that goes past 2023. Well, Cano is off the books in 2023. Uh, Seager is off the books in what, 2021, right? Or 2020? 2021, I think. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, backloading these contracts uh, definitely is a possibility for you, uh, even if it does put them over um, their payroll uh, cap uh, for this year. Uh, they might just see it as worth it because, you know, you get this player and, and you, you can actually like really afford them, uh, you know, over the next few years once those other numbers start coming off of the books. So that's a possibility. Um, but yeah, you gotta, 
you got to shave off some uh, some payroll here one way or another. Um, and uh, probably, like, anyone that's listening to this podcast right now is screaming at their phones or their computers that, well, Denard Span is one of the uh, one of the most obvious names. You know, let's trade him. Um, well, in Colby's projection, that doesn't include Span um, and his twelve million dollar club option. Right. So, if you uh, pick that up, you're going to be basically at or just above where the Mariners ended this season already, payroll wise. Yeah. And so to decline his option, it's uh, it'll still cost you four million dollars. Yep. So the best uh, course of action is to pick up his option and trade him, and at least shave off four million dollars off of your payroll. Um, but that's not going to swing things really one way or another. That you know we talked about Alex Avila <laughs> that would afford you Alex Avila. Yeah, uh, I think part of the thing is. Uh... Sorry, uh, I think part of the uh, the Span thing is is that I think if you did pick up his option, I think you could trade him. I think there might be. Oh, I definitely believe that you could yeah, trade him. He's coming off a very good year at the plate. He's played in the American League and National League. He's I only think, got a year left on his contract. Yeah, and twelve million dollars is a pretty good deal for how well he's played. Um, I think you try to do right by the player there, and he has expressed a desire to go play on the East Coast. Um, he wants to be closer to his home in Florida, which I think we can all accept, you know, and yeah. be de- decent human beings about and understand that that's what he wants to do. Yeah. Um, and so you kind of start looking, though, at teams that might have interest in him at $12 million a year. Uh, it's I see Atlanta. Atlanta, Atlanta maybe, sense. but are they going to want to go young in the outfield? Maybe, because Span's not a great defender anymore. He's okay in a corner. Yeah. Uh, but he, again, he's a really good hitter. Uh, the Mets, if they still think they're in it, <laughs> I mean, isn't Denard Span like the exact player you would expect the Mets to acquire? Uh, like kind the, of Phil- the Phillies, the Phillies as well. Yeah, the Phillies make sense. They have a lot of money and they'll have a need in the outfield. Uh, the Nationals maybe even make a little bit of sense. Uh, yeah, he's played with them before, so yeah, I, familiarity. I think, I think there's some teams, the Red Sox maybe. Um, I don't know how long the Blue Jays and Orioles are planning on being down, but the Orioles are pretty stupid. They might trade something for them. <laughs> so, I mean. the uh, Yeah, the the thing with Span is he's a good surplus option. So if you have uh, the money to just go out and add, like, a really good bench guy that will play maybe 110, 120 games for you, Span's kind of like that perfect uh, player. And, you know, if it's a, for a team that's, like, the Red Sox or the Yankees or, you know, the Phillies or the Braves, you know, teams that have money and will look to contend next year. Um, That's a good option. Yeah. A team like the Braves, who's probably going to lose Nick Markakis to free agency. Yeah. Span makes sense in that he can replace Markakis with the bat. And also that kind of that veteran leadership role of a guy who's been there. He's done that. And, I mean, I think the funny thing is is that we're all talking about Denard's fan. Like, he's some, like, 42-year-old, you know, he, he's he's not David Ross. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's, he, he'll be 35 years old in February, at the end of February. So, I mean, 
the guy's still got some good baseball. I think you can probably find a trade partner. You may have to attach a prospect to him. Um, not not a significant one, I don't think. But, I mean, I think yeah. you probably attach a guy like, oh, I don't know. You attach a guy like Jake Joe Rizzo. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, somebody who's just yeah. Max Posey is like a lottery ticket. And I think you can yeah. get something back that might actually help you this year. I mean, maybe like a backup catcher or, you know, a left-handed reliever that you could use, something like that. I, I think you can get something yeah. for Span. Um, All right. I know this kind of goes against our plan, but I just thought of this, and so I wanted to ask you. Okay. If there is one player from this last draft class that you would trade, who would it be that you think actually would have some value in a trade? That I, as the Mariners, would trade? Yeah. Like, from this past draft class. Okay. Um, so you got, like, the Cal Raleigh's, right. the Josh Storrs. Logan yeah. Gilbert, yeah. Yeah. I think using a combination of upside and what he can probably get me and all that stuff, I think the answer is Cal Raleigh. Yeah. Um, I think he might – I think he's a pretty intriguing prospect. Um, he had a really good year. Yeah. When he – the guys, he's probably going to hit. He might be a catcher, probably not though. Uh, yeah, one forty nine WRC plus in thirty eight games with uh, Everett. Pretty yeah, good. I, he's a college performer. He's probably going to move pretty quickly uh, with the bat, and I think he can, might be able to net you something of value. Um, again, it might be something like a left handed reliever, but that does have value, and it has value today as opposed to two years or three years from now when Cal Raleigh's up at the big club. So I think Raleigh is a guy, maybe a guy like Joey Gerber, kind of yeah. the fast-moving relief type. Uh, but I, I would say Cal Raleigh is probably the guy I would move. Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, Raleigh is a uh, really interesting player. Honestly, I, I, I kind of want him to, to stay in the Mariners organization, though. Sure. Um, uh, I think – uh, especially if the team were to move on from Evan White as their first baseman uh, of the future, you know Raleigh could uh, potentially be uh, first base type for them uh, over the next few years. Sure. Um, but obviously, you know that's you know hypotheticals, and you know you can't really predict the uh, the outlook of a team for you know even two years from now, uh, especially the Mariners uh, with what you know with how active Depoto is every year. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, Cal Raleigh's a very interesting, uh, player and, um, yeah, the other, other name that I could see, maybe Josh Storrs, he's interesting, um, had a pretty good year, um, was kind of one of those sneaky, uh, sneaky good players in college, mm-hmm. just not a lot of, uh, not a lot of people talked about, but he, uh, he had a really good year for, uh, Louisville and, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. You know, Cal Raleigh's a guy that you might be able to include in a deal that gets you somebody like um, a guy that we briefly mentioned earlier in the podcast, Zach Godley. I mean, yeah, Godley's an older-ish guy. He's going to be twenty-eight, twenty-nine. He's not. He's not a number one. He's probably a number four or five. But there's some decent upside there. I, I could see a guy like Raleigh getting you a guy like something similar to 
uh, Zach Godley. I mean, I think it would cost a little bit more than Raleigh, but Raleigh could definitely be a really good piece in a trade that um, nets the Mariners something of value. I, I do believe that. So yeah, yeah. So, anyways, um, jumping back to the uh, to the payroll situation, one of the things that um, I'm seeing, and it has nothing to do with trades, um, would be the ar- arbitration guys. Um, for me, because of where the Mariners sit, if I cannot find a trade for Nick Vincent, I am not tendering him. Um, yeah. I'm def- and I'm definitely, no matter what, not tendering Erasmo, Justin Grimm, Chris Herman, or Ryan Cook. Um, if you take those five guys right there and you don't tender them a contract, that saves you $12 million, roughly. Yeah. Yeah. $12 million is you know, pretty good player. And, uh, you know, it's, I, and that's not to say like a guy like Chris Herman, I would absolutely want back at like 750,000. Yeah. Not not 1.5 and Grimm. I mean, on a minor league deal, sure. Cook, same thing. And these aren't guys that you just don't want on your team. It's just, you have to try and say cut, cut cost and freeing up $12 million for a bunch of players who are, Let's be honest; they're replaceable, um, yeah. pretty easily replaceable by guys you already have in your in your system. Really, um, I think that's probably a w- way that you almost have to go. Yeah, um, I think you. Uh, I think there would definitely be deals out there for uh, for Vincent and Erasmo. Um, yep. So I, I I do think that both of those uh, guys will be traded um, this off season. Uh, I don't know. Because it's interesting, though, is like for a guy like Erasmo, uh-huh. you're, you're going to get so little, and you're probably going to have to eat some of the contract. Not a lot. You might only have to eat $500,000 of it. Uh-huh. But you're going to get so little back for him. I wonder if maybe it isn't better to just not get anything for him and get all of that money that you were going to pay him back. I think a team like the Blue Jays would take all four and a half, honestly. Uh-huh. I don't think that I don't think five hundred thousand dollars would be a huge tendency. I don't know. Um, you know, and then as for Vincent, uh, the two teams that really make sense for me with Vincent are the uh, Cardinals and the uh, Brewers. Um, yeah. So I would I would look at those two teams as a uh, potential landing spots for him. Here's a, uh, here's just a random deal that I just kind of thought of. In uh-huh. term, uh, would you trade? This probably doesn't solve anything, but it might. Whatever. Anyways, I'll just throw, I'll just float this out there. Sure. Would you, would you trade D. Gordon and Nick Vincent to the Cardinals for a guy like Jed Jerko or uh, Dexter Fowler, like somebody who they have a problem with, but you might like Jerko is a pretty decent second baseman. Yeah. Uh, and. For most of his career, Fowler's been a pretty good hitter. Um, so I don't know. Is that something? Maybe like... the problem there is, I mean, how much money are the are the Cardinals going to eat on that? Like, because like the you know because that doesn't really help you help you uh, payroll rise, especially if you add Fowler. Fowler's making fourteen and a half. Jerko's making is set to make 13 next year. So, uh, payroll, payroll, eh, if I can talk payroll wise, 
Uh, it doesn't really help you. I don't know, two, three million dollars. That's not nothing. I mean, yeah. But I mean, look, I know because people like to think like, what can I buy for two million dollars? Instead, you should be thinking, what can I buy for an extra two million? Like, I can spend fourteen million on this guy. Well, if I have an extra three million, I'll go seventeen million on him. You know what I mean? But yeah, I I get what you're saying. Like, I'm not saying it's a great idea. It's just something that you mentioned the Cardinals and. I think there might be a match there, but I, I agree with what you're saying about the Cardinals and the uh, the Brewers making sense on Vincent. Yeah. So uh, the biggest thing on, on the payroll, though, is uh, obviously what are you doing with Nelson Cruz? Yeah. Um, that kind of has the biggest effect on the payroll outlook. Um, Cruz, uh, I believe we talked about this on the last podcast and determine that Cruz is probably going to cost you no less than $14 million this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I would love to have him back, and I don't think there will be a huge market for him. Um, there might only be one other team other than the Mariners that will be interested in him, and that's the Astros. Right. Or at least a, a, a team that he would be interested in, because I just I can't see Nelson Cruz finishing out his... Uh, his career on a on a bad team, um, or one that projects to be a bad team. So oh, hey, by the way, I uh, just the Houston Astros might be a pretty decent fit for Denard's fan. That's true. Yeah, that is true. Just just thought of that. Anyways, go ahead. He hit pretty well down there too this yep. year. Um. So yeah. So you know, what do you do about Cruz? Because if um, because your your projection is before Cruz, right? Or does that include a Cruz no, extension? No, that does not include. That does not include. My projections do not include anybody who is a pending free agent. Okay, so you know, Cruz at fourteen million. Uh, your your numbers have are set at like one sixty three, somewhere in that range. That's mm-hmm. uh, a pretty big big increase, right there. That goes to one seventy eight. Plus, you're gonna want, yeah, you're gonna want to add, you know, uh, what happens if, what happens if you pick up Span's option and don't really find a trade that you like? Uh, It's hard to, to, you know, really work through this because, you know, like, like Colby said at the beginning, we we really thought that this team had a lot more money to work with, and come to find out, they don't. it's just hard to see how this team can, uh, you know, retain crews and go get a starting pitcher that really, you know, uh, shifts the outlook of their team. It just, unless there, there's a huge uptick in payroll, which I don't think there will be, but there should be. Yep. Um, yeah, I just, I don't see how they can do this. Uh, because the only way for them to compete right now is to spend money. Um, you know, they don't have a lot of talent waiting in the wings. Evan White is a nice player. Kyle Lewis is a nice player. But those guys probably aren't going to uh, put you over the hump. And, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to see. Uh, it's hard to see how this team competes this year. But, you know, even even if they backload contracts and whatnot, that's still, you know. You're going like, to pay for it down the line, man. That's, that's how those work. Yeah. And... And it's still going to affect your payroll in a great way, you know, because even if you backload a Patrick Corbin contract, for example, you're still probably paying him 19, 20 million this year. Yeah. Uh, so that's, 
you know, that it's not going to help you in these great ways. Um, you know, it might help in like other situations, like on a, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's hard. It's hard to, to, you know, and that's, that's why we're not the GM and, you know, or we're in a MLB front office right now. Uh, cause you know, they obviously know a lot more than, uh, than we do about their books and, uh, how they, uh, can uh, manage everything, but right now, just on the outside looking in, doesn't look great. Yeah, it it certainly doesn't. Um, which do le- that does lead me to two thoughts, though. Um, one is the Mariners are going to have to be very creative with their trades, and I think they're going to have to use the trade market uh, more than ever if they really want to compete in 2019. And I think you know if there's one thing you have to say about Jerry Depoto. It's that the dude is very creative um, in his trades, so I think maybe that's a good thing. Um, and the second thing is, is that maybe this lends more credence to the idea that the Mariners don't see 2019 as their year, but they may see 2020 as their year. Yeah. Um, there is a great free agent class for starting pitching in 2020 and you're going to have 28 million dollars you're going to have between felix between felix hernandez and juan nicasio you're going to have 35 million dollars off your books and that's you know and that uh again you have to account for arbitration and all that stuff but i mean 35 million dollars can buy you two really good players yeah um Edwin Diaz is in arbitration next next year, though. That'll be interesting. Yeah, I mean, he'll probably be around two, three million first try around. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, this also lends the, to the idea, though, of like, do you trade James Paxton? Like, if 2019, if you decide that with our payroll flexibility the way it is, we just we cannot legitimately do this in 2019, but we might be able to do it in 2020, then you have to trade James Paxton. You have to. Yeah. And that'll save you $9 million. You might be able to get a decent starter to replace him. And then you also get the prospects that you, uh, that you get back in that deal. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I feel like the Mariners have put themselves in this box and we know it. Um, all of baseball knows it where either we're going to see basically the exact same roster next year as we did this year. Yeah. which seems really unlikely with Jerry DePoto as the general manager, or we're going to see like 10 of the 25 man roster get flipped and with like significant names among them leaving. So I think almost one of those almost has to be true. I just, I don't see any way around it. Yeah. Unless their plan is really just get crews back in and just, make minor moves here and there and that's that's their off season. And they'll head right for an eighty two win season. Yeah, because that's another thing to consider is that the American League and I've said this a couple times now uh, over the course of our podcast, that the the American League is going to get a lot better. Yep. They were really bad this year. Mm-hmm. Um so that means that, you know, there's going to be regression, at least in the win column, for the for this current Mariners team. If they mostly stand pat, there will for sure be regression. There is no way that this team can outperform 89 wins. No, no way. Uh, that was huge overachievement. Uh, and uh, 
Yeah, it's just even if let's even if let's say Felix bounces back and becomes a league average pitcher, and Kyle Seager comes back and hits two sixty again and gets on base above three hundred, et cetera. Even with that, there's still going to be a whole lot of regression because you know some guys are probably not going to repeat their uh, their success in, in 2018. Wade LeBlanc is probably going to regress. You know. Uh, By the way, there's a pretty decent chance Mitch Haniger regresses too. And that doesn't yeah. mean he'll be bad. It just means he won't be a six win player. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he can still yeah. be a really good player and regress. I mean. Yeah. So, you know, maybe Paxson gets hurt this year, you know, uh, significantly. You know, there's a lot of things to to look out for, and it's – I just don't see how this team exceeds 80 wins next year where they currently stand, even if they bring Cruz back. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got they got to make changes. They And if, if – if they decide what's best for them and all they really can do is to look towards 2020, then it's like you said, they, they should absolutely trade James Paxson. They should absolutely look at a deal for Edwin Diaz. Um, I don't think that they will, but they absolutely will not. But what I would say as a counter argument is, is that I can legitimately write a very strong script that by the Mariners, quote-unquote, punting 2019, they can still legitimately compete in 2020. Just think about the guys that you would move if you decided 2019 was, wasn't for you, right? You're definitely going to move Mike Leak. The guy has trade yeah. value. Whether people yeah. want to admit it or not, he's a league average starting pitcher, number three, number four type, whose contract is already being eaten by the Cardinals. You can get something of value for Mike Leak. And in Major League Baseball, a league average pitcher probably gets you the same as an all-star second baseman. Like, <laughs> I mean, every team needs starting pitching, and Mike Leak. Now, keep in mind, Mike Leak has a no-trade clause. But I think if you're saying, if I think if you're going to these guys and saying we're not trying to win in 2019, they'll waive that. But Mike Leak will have plenty of suitors. Gene Segura could have plenty of suitors, but you don't even have to trade Gene Segura. Trade Alex Colomay. Right, you're going to get something decent for Alex Colomay. He's really good. Trade James Paxton. You're going to get very good value for James Paxton. You trade those three guys, Leak, Colomay, and Paxton. All of a sudden, you have twenty. You have uh, yeah, twenty-six million dollars freed up, minus whoever you bring in in those trades. You have a new pool of prospects who are either going to be very close to the majors, young major leaguers themselves, or very good trade chips for next off season, and you or still, even this off season. Yeah, and yeah. you still keep Gene Segura, you still keep uh, Mike Zanino, you still keep Mitch Haniger, you keep uh, Marco Gonzalez, and by the way, Felix Hernandez and you know, Juan Nicasio's contract come off the books next year. So I, it is very easy for me to envision a scenario where the Mariners, if they truly, to me, the best thing the Mariners could do is say, we are not competing in 2019. We're not going to tank. We're not going to get rid of everybody. But anybody who may or may not help us in 2020 or we can maximize their value by trading them now is gone. The Mariners could enter next offseason with $50 million in a brand-new team full of young players. I mean, by trading three guys. 
And four, if you count Edwin Diaz, like you can keep Diaz if you want, or you can trade him. And I, I think you could legitimately trade four guys and set yourself up for 2020 and be contending by then. You take one year back trading four guys, and you're a contender in 2020. I think you can do it. Thoughts? Yeah, it's uh, I think that's the best way to go about it. I think uh, it's the most viable path for them to take. Um, you know, if you're not going to do anything with these guys, why keep them? Yeah. You know, it's just um, you know, that's not to say trade everyone. You know, um, as much as I love the idea of uh, trading, you know, Edwin Diaz and getting some type of uh, Araldus Chapman, Andrew Miller, you know, return. Um, you know, they're not going to do that. And uh, being more realistic, I could see them, you know, actually trading James Paxson. I could see them trading Alex Colomay. Um, you know, it's – and I think that's that's their best option, uh, really. Um, and I think Jerry DePoto knows that. You said how – you know, you mentioned how creative he has been. Uh, he hasn't been shy of trading away uh, names – in the past. And, um, you know, he's a very uh, forward-thinking uh, general manager. At least he says he is. And, uh, yeah, I, I you know, I think that would be uh, best put on display by trading James Paxson. You know, it's it's not going to be a very popular trade amongst uh, the, the casual Mar- Mariners fan base. Uh, but it's probably what's you know, best for them moving forward. Yeah, man. I don't know. I really do hate that argument, but you're totally right of the, well, I mean, man, you're going to have a tough time explaining that to you. Who gives a crap? Yeah. I mean, like really like, no, I just, I'm just mentioning that because you know, it's, it's what, it's what you're going to see on the, on Twitter. It's like, same old Mariners. Yeah. And then they trade them. Yeah. I just, I don't, that part that drives me nuts, and you see it in every sport. Like the Seahawks will sign a somebody, and they're like, "Oh, the Seahawks have never signed a good free agent this position. This is going to suck." It's like you don't know that. You have two completely different players, two completely yeah. different front office. You don't know that. And that that type yeah. of logic drives me nuts. But you're absolutely right; it will happen. Like there's no way it won't happen. And you could trade James Paxson for the three best prospects in baseball, and you'll still find Mariners fans. Typical, typical Mariners. They get somebody good, yeah. and then they trade them. It's yeah. just like, and that's you know, and that's every sport. That's every fan base. That's you know, it, I mean, but that you know, there's no fan base that's more tortured than the Mariners, really. Uh, maybe the Cleveland Browns, but know. you know, a lot of it with Mariners it, fans though is self-imposed. Like, yeah, I mean, dude. I, I get it. I, I really do. And I understand. It. I've been right there with you all these years, suffering through the no. I was actually at the last Mariners playoff game at Safeco Field. I was I was nine. Like, So I, I feel your pain, trust me. Yeah. But it's like, come on, man. You just, I don't know. I swear there's a pretty good chunk of Mariners fans who are never happier than when the Mariners are failing. It makes them happy. And it's like, What's the point of even watching? I, I, I don't get it, but whatever. Yeah. Whatever. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, you know, um, 
It's just hard, yeah, you know, because I I really did go, you know, going into this offseason, I really did uh, expect them to have their most active free agency period of uh, Jerry Depoto's regime, and uh, now I don't I don't see it as uh, as that um, as much now that we've taken a deeper dive into the uh, into the payroll expectations. It's just. It's just really hard to see how they get better for this season. Um, I do think that there are moves out there that make them better in 2020, 2021, etc. But yeah, it's it's really hard. It's really hard to see. They might be screwed in 2019 no matter what they do. Yeah. And if that's the case, then you should absolutely trade Leak and Leak and Colome and Paxton and go on your merry way. But We'll see what they decide yep. to do. I don't. I still think this will be a very interesting off season, and I still think it might actually be a very busy one for the Mariners. Just not busy in, you know. Hey, look, they signed Patrick Corbin, and oh, look, then they also signed AJ Pollock. Like they probably need to. But uh, I don't. It'll, it'll be interesting to see how this thing plays out. Um, I think this is Jerry's going to be Jerry's toughest off season by far. Yeah. And uh, I don't know, man. I, for some reason, I'm cautiously optimistic that he's going to do something that will have us saying, you know, like, wow, I did not see that coming, but I really like it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there will be, uh, you know, once free agency commences, I, I'm sure there will be uh, a few players that the Mariners are linked to that, sure. you know, maybe, maybe I don't know where Ken Rosenthal says that, the Mariners are going hard after Bryce Harper, <laughs> you know, but like, I don't see anything coming out of anything like that. Yeah. Um, but it's, you know, I'm sure there will be, there will be something like that. And maybe they get, you know, uh, some player like, uh, AJ Pollock, you know, out of nowhere. And maybe they do resign Cruz. Maybe their, their payroll goes up to 190 somehow. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I don't see it, but, Maybe it happens. Um, you know, you, you never know. And, uh, you know, especially, like I said, you know, we're not in the front office. You know, we don't know uh, exactly what the numbers are and how, you know, what their plan is and how they plan on, you know, re, you know, reworking some of these, you know, deals and handling arbitration and yada, yada, yada. Yeah, there's so, too many question marks right now to really have a definitive thought about what the Mariners are going to do. I mean, yeah. we just basically spent the last hour speculating because that's all we really can do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but it was fun. Yeah. I mean, hey, you're never going to hear me complain about talking hot stove Mariners baseball. Even if it is just wild speculation, I love I love the hot stove, guys. And I'm really excited for, as weird as it sounds, I'm really excited for baseball to be over so that the funnest part of baseball can begin. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, I am a huge team builder, and that's what I, I'm excited to see what they do. Um, and you know, there's a pretty good chance I end up hating it, a lot like I did uh, last off season. But I'm just excited to see what they come up with, and uh, I know I'm going to have a lot of fun this off season, regardless. So. Yeah, and hey, you know, uh, even if last year was a very disappointing off season, they did build a team that won 89 games, and. Uh, yeah, no matter how you look at it, they did win, you know, 89 games, and um, they all that is something. Yeah. yeah, 
that's something to hang your hat on a, a little bit. But you know, you still didn't get into the playoffs, and uh, that's their goal is to get into the playoffs, and that seems to be their goal and uh, for 2019. And uh, if that is their goal, hopefully they have an actual solid plan to do that and don't just half-ass it. Um, we shall see. Yeah. So, anyways, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast today. Unless you had anything else you wanted to add, Ty. No, I, I, I think I'm good. Uh, you know, the, the playoffs uh, have been uh, pretty, pretty exciting, pretty interesting. It looks like our predictions from the last podcast might actually come true uh, for the World Series picks with the Red Sox and the Brewers. Uh, that would be a fun matchup, and uh, maybe by next week, uh, next week's podcast, we're talking about a potential uh, World Series matchup between those two teams. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's been a really, uh, really fun October and, um, happy that everyone's uh, enjoying the content on the site and, uh, and everyone's kind of sharing in our excitement for the, uh, for the upcoming, uh, off season. It's going to be fun. Yep. So that's going to do it for us here at Soto, at the Soto Mojo podcast. Make sure you guys visit the website, sotomojo.com. You can find us on Twitter at sotomojofs. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching Soto Mojo. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be a fun offseason, guys. Uh, make sure if you guys ever have any questions or comments, you can leave them for us on our social media. And uh, be sure to subscribe and uh, like the podcast. And, you know, I think from all of us here, uh, you know, it's a, a sincere thank you. We've had a great October so far. Um, and that's all thanks to you guys. So uh, thanks from the entire staff to all of our readers and listeners. Um, thank you to uh, Paul Allen for all he did for the city of Seattle. May he, oh, yeah. may he rest in peace. Um, yeah. Tragic loss. Um, yeah. You know, and I, like I said, I hope he rests in peace. A, a great, great man who deserves nothing but the utmost respect from anybody who lives in the Pacific Northwest and really anybody around the world. Um, a tremendous human being. Uh so from all of us here at Soto Mojo, uh, you know, like I said, rest in peace, Paul, and I'll see you in another life.